So, uh, had a little bit of a, a, a little bit of a laugh at the start this morning because I uh, realized that today's part two is probably longer than part one. Well, we'll try not to go into part three because, uh, yeah, we don't, we don't want that. Um, so, the last time we, I spoke about God in my morning and God in my evening. And today is part two. So, today is going to be about God in my evening, and it's also going to be continuing in the series that Daryl started a few weeks ago of No Holding Back. So, in true 1980s action movie classics, we're going for a really long double-barrel name this morning of No Holding Back, part, I can't remember, God in my morning, God in my evening, part two, colon, God in my evening. It's good, isn't it? I really like that. There's a really cool image that should come up now for it as well. There we go. That is an artist's impression of me in the 1980s. It's not really, in all seriousness. It's just that I've run out of cool stories to tell you, so I've reverted to pictures. So last time, well, let's pray. I think we need to start with praying after all of that. Father, speak to me this morning. Speak to your people this morning. Flow through me. Holy Spirit, come and do a new thing in us. In Jesus' name, amen. So the last time we looked at God in my morning... And in a nutshell, we said we need to put God in our morning. Let's make God the focus of our entire day, not just the morning. And we didn't quite get through to the evening. So just to uh, get ourselves really ready, we've got a couple of definitions that will come up. Uh, We looked at some really deep definitions of the morning and of the evening. And we said that The morning depicts brightness, freshness, new beginnings, new opportunities, and new hope. And we said that the evening, or a sunset, is the promise of a new beginning. So, really deep, and while I was preparing that last time, I thought, really? Why are we we going into these really um, basic definitions? And then it hit me, let's put God into it. The whole thing is about putting God in our morning, putting God in our evening. So then let's literally put the name of God into the definition. And we said, God in my new beginning, God in my new opportunity. And that's pretty biblical because the Bible tells us, commit your ways to the Lord and you will succeed. God is my hope. Holy Spirit, awaken me and do a new thing in me. And then the same for the evening. So while the sunrise is the new beginning, the sunset is the promise of a new beginning. So maybe you're hanging on to a promise that hasn't yet been fulfilled. Well, today I want to say to you, bring God back into that promise. Remind him of the promise and pray it into existence. So last time we hung out for most of the morning in Psalm 113. If you have your Bible with you today, please turn there again. And um, we're going to see this morning what Psalm 113 has to say about God 
in my evening. So it's a nice short psalm. You'll be thankful to know. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forever. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? who is enthroned on high, who humbles himself to regard the heavens and the earth. He raises the poor out of the dust, and he lifts the needy from the ash heap, that he may seek them with princes, with the princes of his people. He makes the barren woman live in the house as a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So we've already covered verses 1 to 8 the last time I spoke. And as we've just heard, it's all about praising God. Making God the center from the moment we wake up. And just praising him. Putting him first. From the rising of the sun to its setting. Let's just put him first. But today we're talking about the evening. The sunset. That promise. That promise that maybe hasn't yet been fulfilled in your life yet. So what exactly does Psalm 113 then tell us about God's promises in our lives? Actually, it tells us quite a lot. It's all in the last verse, verse 9. He makes the barren woman live in the house as a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. So in other words, here we are introduced to a woman who is barren, a woman who cannot have any children. She has longed and hoped for children. We can imagine, I know it doesn't say that, but we can imagine that a woman who is barren would be desperate to have children. She obviously doesn't know what she's in for. But anyway, that's not quite the point. And what does God say in this situation? He is the one that is turning this around. He is the one who is causing her circumstance to be turned around. That disappointing circumstance of no children, he is turning it into joy and hope. Now, what we need to realize in biblical times, in the Near East, and especially in Israel, that for a woman, it was her crowning achievement to be a mother. Any woman. That was how society was back then. Now, if a woman was unable to have children, she would become a bit of a social outcast. She would be a massive disappointment to her husband. She would be a massive disappointment to other women. And most importantly, and most worstly, she would be a massive disappointment to herself. I don't know about you, but disappointment can be quite crippling. While I was preparing this, God reminded me of a a time in my life where I was hit by some incredible disappointment. And I wasn't sure if I was going to 
share it this morning, but I think it is quite fitting. Most of you all know that I was in the Navy, but before joining the Navy, I actually tried out for the Marines. And I went up to do my three-day selection course, and by day two, I had failed. Absolutely miserably failed. It was completely impossible in my mind that I would fail because I was at the peak of my physical fitness. But the moment I arrived to do my selection, my body just did not work. My legs did not run. My arms did not do pull-ups. And we all saw at the start what my arms looked like back then. By the end of day two, sorry, by the end of day two, I had failed miserably, and I was offered a choice. You can go home now, here's a train ticket, or you can stay for day three and see what it's like for when you try again. I took the train ticket, and I was going home, and on the train, it was nighttime, and I don't know if you've ever looked out of a window at night, but you don't actually see what you want to see. I was hit by my reflection, and at that point, the disappointment hit me. I'm not going to tell you what I thought about myself in that time of disappointment, but I can tell you that that disappointment almost crippled me. I knew that God had a purpose for me. I knew that God wanted me in the UK, and I felt that being in the military at that time, because that's all I knew, was the carrier to get me here. I just had to believe that he'd get me through that disappointment. And he did. He got me through that disappointment, and he can get anybody through that disappointment. Do not let that disappointment cripple you, because it can. It's real. It can totally consume you. But just remember that God is bigger than those disappointments. And give that disappointment to him today. Now, back to the barren mother. There's a few um, examples in the Bible about people born to barren mothers. And I really, really love this because some of these people were really important people in the Bible. And what's really, really cool about this is that God uses an impossible situation. He could have picked any handful of women that roamed the earth back in those days who were fruitful and fertile and birthed his kingdom out of it. But he didn't. He chose some women through Genesis who were incapable of having children. They were barren, medically barren. If they had doctors in those days, they could not conceive. They could not have children. But God used them. He used their impossible situation. He used their impossible circumstances, and he turned it around. So let's have a look at a few of those. So Joseph's mom, Rachel. We all know Joseph. Number two, only to Pharaoh. He, uh, well, yeah, he was very important in Israel, wasn't he? He um, had the whole plan for the famine, and he basically saved Israel. He came from a barren mother. Genesis 29, verse 11, but Rachel was barren. Later on, Genesis 30, verse 22, then God remembered the prayer of Rachel, and God thought of her and opened her womb. 
Jacob's mother, Rebecca. Genesis 25 verse 21 tells us, Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was unable to conceive children. And the Lord granted his prayer. Isaac's mother, Sarah, Genesis 11.30 says, but Sarah was barren. Ten chapters later, it goes on to say, the Lord graciously remembered and visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for her as he had promised. Yes, there might have been a time gap in between that. She might have gone through a long period of time wondering when is this promise going to be fulfilled, but she kept praying and she kept believing, and that promise was fulfilled. So as you can see on the screen behind me, I have underlined and bolded some really key things in these verses, some key phrases. God remembered. God thought of her. Isaac prayed to the Lord, and the Lord granted his prayer. The Lord graciously remembered. The Lord did as he had promised. Now, you might take a bit of issue with the word remembered. Does that mean God forgot? No. No, it doesn't. How can God forget? He's perfect. He's the beginning and the end, the Alpha and Omega. He's not going to forget. So let's just spend a couple of minutes looking then at this word, remembered. So in every instance of God remembering, we see that it always includes an action. God remembered the prayer of Rachel and then opened her womb. So God remembering does not imply that he forgets. As I've said, he can't forget. He is perfect. So we love definitions here at King's Church. Here's a little definition then for us for the word remember. It means to bring to mind, to think of again, or to retain in memory. Nowhere in that definition is there any implication of forgetfulness. The only thing we are told there is that it is on your mind when you remember. So in other words, these barren women in the Bible were on God's mind. Now the Old Testament examples, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word there is zakar, which means to remember. And again, this goes slightly deeper. Because not only is this word zakar talking about bringing someone to mind, but it is also talking about acting on that person's behalf. So in every instance of God remembering, we see in the Old Testament, it always includes an action. In Psalm 106 verse 4, the psalmist begs, Remember me, Lord, when you show favor to your people. Come to my aid when you save them. Obviously, the psalmist was pretty clued up in the way God remembers because he wasn't just asking God to hold him in his thoughts. He was also asking God to perform an action in his life. So back to those examples of the barren woman and God remembers the prayers. 
He graciously remembers us. He does for us what he has promised to do. So we know that a woman can be physically barren, but how does that apply to you and how does that apply to me? Well, we can be spiritually barren or sometimes we can feel that maybe we are, we just feel that we're spiritually barren. So barren can be unfruitful, arid, a place of desert. We can all at times feel like we are unfruitful. We can all at times feel that we are in a place of desert. I really don't want to bring up any COVID examples, but obviously the last 18 months is pretty prominent in everybody's mind, and we could all feel that we have been in a place of desert. We can all at times feel we are in a place that is arid and devoid of any life. We can have the feelings of despair that we are amounting to nothing. Maybe we think, how can God, how can anything possibly come from me, let alone anything good, let alone the fulfillment of a promise, let alone the fulfillment of the promise of God. We can allow these feelings of our own spiritual barrenness to consume our minds. As I said already, it could be severe disappointment. It could also be insecurities. It could be our thoughts causing our insecurities. How could God possibly use me? What can I possibly offer? What is my crowning achievement? Most of us could fill a list with reasons why we think God couldn't use us or wouldn't want to use us. We could fill a list of why we think that the promises that he has given us will not be fulfilled in our lives. I know for me, I definitely can sometimes. I want to read you a very short extract from Terry Virgo's book, uh, God's Treasured Possession, Walk in the Footsteps of Moses. I've come down to deliver them, God announced, and added, come now, I will send you. By now, Moses was no longer impressed with himself. His former recklessness had gone. His self-image was as low as it could sink. Before asking who this God was, he demanded to know how he himself was to accomplish this daunting task. The Bible repeatedly reports this kind of promise when God calls someone. Gideon argued that he was the least in his father's house and that his father's house was nothing to shout about. Jeremiah complained he was far too young. Moses asked, who am I? Though unexpected, the answer he received was the one that changed everything. The issue was not who Moses was, but who was calling him and who was commissioning him. Moses had to learn that God's power provided the key. He was not being called to a task way beyond him. He was simply being called to trust and obey a God of unlimited power 
and supreme dynamic resources. So I want to say to you then this morning, don't hold back on the promise that God has given you. Don't hold back on the dreams that he has put in your heart. As I said, and I hope Siri can validate this, do not hold back on the promises of God. Just because you haven't seen them being fulfilled yet doesn't mean that it's not going to come. Now, I believe that the series that Daryl started a few weeks ago was birthed from a place of God doing a new thing. We're seeing God moving in the church, in his kingdom, and we're seeing God move in us as his people. So we must move forward. We must not be held back by our insecurities or what we think our insecurities are or what our mind is telling us or what other people are telling us. Easier said than done sometimes. So how do we move from this place of spiritual barrenness to the place of not holding back and to the place of moving forward with God. Well, I think what we need to do, as I said last time, and as Daryl said last week in his message, we need to put Jesus first and we need to put his kingdom first. We need to pray. We were given some great examples in the Old Testament of the barren woman praying, and we also need to praise and worship. So, Jesus at the center. Let me tell you, it takes time. It takes effort. And sometimes all it takes is when you get up in the morning, it's just to say, here I am, Lord. I want you to be in the forefront of my mind today. And then when life starts happening, whether it's really bad or really good, just take a time out for a minute or two. And just either thank God or ask God to do something for you. You don't have to be really super spiritual and go to a quiet place. You can do it from wherever you are. You can do it, you know, while you're cooking supper. You can do it while you're working, sitting behind a computer, whatever it is. Just do it. Just put God at the center. When we look at Moses, every time God told Moses to go tell Pharaoh what he's about to do, and then Pharaoh hardened his heart, what did Moses do? Moses ran back to God. And he was like, uh, I thought you said this was going to happen. Now Pharaoh's done this. But what happened is that Moses was building his relationship with God. Every single time he hit a brick wall, then Moses ran back to God. And eventually, God did what Moses said it was going to do. So make Jesus the center and focus. We need to adjust our thinking. We need to have a kingdom-minded kingdom thinking. And sometimes we need to renew our thoughts and not be unwavering. Uh, saying about uh, renewing thoughts is pretty rich coming from me because I am Mr. Worst Case Scenario. Seriously, I will get a text 
and see that it is my boss and think, oh no, this is it. I am doomed. I am done. And I open the text and she has just said, happy birthday. Pray your promise into existence. The barren woman didn't hold back. They didn't just sit back and allow Joseph to never be born and allow Jacob to never be born or Isaac to never be born. They believed in the promise that the Lord God Almighty gave them and they prayed and they prayed until God remembered and fulfilled their promise. And then finally, we need to praise Jesus. Now, I love the story in Acts 16, Paul and Silas in jail. Acts 16.25 says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing praises to God while the other prisoners listened. Suddenly, a strong earthquake shook the jail to its foundations. The doors opened and the chains fell from the prisoners. We just need to stop focusing on our problems and put God first. And I get it. Sometimes we can all just be totally prayed out and have nothing left to say in prayer. And that is when we just need to start praising and worshiping him. And then that is when we see those chains break free. So what is your chain holding you captive this morning and preventing you from moving forward, causing you to hold back. Could it be like Gideon, your insecurities, you think you don't come from much? Could it be like Moses, you feel you're lacking boldness? Well, I want to say to you this morning is give those problems to Jesus, put them at his feet, and believe that he will break those chains for you today. As I've already said, sometimes we simply just need to get out of the way to allow God to do a thing in us. The way we think of ourselves, how we can be hung up on what we see as wrong with ourselves. God doesn't care about any of that. He just looks for people who will worship him, who will pray to him, who will trust in him, and who will be obedient to him. Will Daryl and the band come back up as we bring this to a close? Now, for the last few weeks, or maybe even a couple of months, um, there's been a hill song that has really been speaking to me. Now, thankfully for all of you, I'm not going to sing that, because that would be absolutely atrocious if I ever tried to do something like that. But what I want to do is, I've, just, um, I've got a few of the lyrics that I'm just going to read, because I can do that. So the hill song is called Awake My Soul. And for me, this kind of just rounds up and sums up everything that I've said this morning. It goes like this. There is a sound I love to hear. It's the sound of the Savior's robe as he walks into the room 
where people pray. Where we hear praises, he hears faith. Awake, my soul, and sing. Sing his praise aloud. There's a sound that changes things. The sound of his people on their knees. Oh, wake up, you slumbering. It's time to worship him. And when he moves, and when we pray, where stood a wall now stands away, where every promise is amen. And when he moves, make no mistake, the bowels of hell begin to shake. All hail the Lord, all hail the King. Awake, my soul, and sing, sing his praise aloud. So whatever it is that is standing in the way this morning, just bring it to Jesus. Whatever you think is holding you back from seeing your promise being fulfilled, insecurities, the way you think about yourself, massive disappointment, just lay it at his feet this morning. If you're having any doubts, it really doesn't matter. We know the story of the account of doubting Thomas when the disciples were talking that Jesus had risen. And Thomas said, I'm not going to believe that until I can put my fingers in the holes in his hand and put my hand in his side. And all of a sudden, Jesus appeared in front of him. Jesus didn't turn him away. Jesus said, come here, Thomas. Look at my hands. Put your fingers in the hole. Look at my side. Put your hands. The point is, he doesn't turn you away if you're doubting. He doesn't turn you away if you're thinking you're not good enough. In fact, he does the opposite. He wants you even more. Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30, and I finish with this. Come to me, all who are weary and heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So as we close this morning, if anyone wants prayer, at the end, please feel free to come speak to me or Daryl or any of the elders and we'd love to pray with you. Do not leave here this morning if you feel you need a touch of God. Come and speak to someone. And if you're watching on the live stream, then please put a message out there and we will be in touch.